0: You are listening to the Source Connection Podcast, an ongoing invitation to remember your true infinite nature and embody your unique human expression. By holding space for the kind of conversations that uplift, inform, and unite us, we are here to amplify the field of possibilities and explore the keys to creating the new. Hosted by Liz B. and Tara Long.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to one more episode of The Source Connection here today with a very special guest, Dr. Melissa Sell. Let's take a moment to arrive together in this field of infinite possibilities. So I invite you to roll your shoulders back if you're sitting, tuck the chin in, open your heart, close your physical outer eyes and start to Get in touch with your internal landscaping.
0: Noticing your breath, noticing your thoughts. Just taking inventory, nothing to fix or change. making your breath deep and long. Noticing
1: not only the gross quality of breath, but the subtle as well and letting you permeate the wholeness of you. I invite you to plug in your right nostril with your right thumb and just breathe long and deep through your left nostril.
0: Now we're going to plug in the left and breathe long and deeply through the right. Now we're gonna do a little alternate nostril
1: breathing. So we'll inhale through the right. You can use your index finger or pinky finger to block the right, exhale through the left.
0: Inhale through the left. Exhale through the right. Inhale right. Exhale left, inhale left, and exhale right, and just keep following that for a moment. Let's do that cycle one more time.
1: Let go of the pattern. Let's inhale through both nostrils long and deeply and just suspend, hold the breath
0: at the top. Through your lips, exhale, inhale fully, side out, one last time, inhale and let it go.
1: Hmm, open your eyes or not. <laughs> we tend sometimes to just be like, uh-huh. After yes. we do. <laughs> do it eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Melissa Sell. I want to read something that's on your website, and then I'd like for you to introduce yourself. So You say, I teach men and women of all ages how to overcome the fear of symptoms and adopt the mindset of healing. Wow, wow, uh, Dr. Melissa Sell has been (laughs) a very important piece in my journey. I'm happy to have her close enough that I get to hang out with her. And um, lucky me. How did you get to this now moment with us here?
2: (laughs) Oh, well, um, as far as this work goes and this teaching, um, I started my work as a chiropractor in working with um, all things health, all things, you know, nutrition and detox, all the aspects of being healthy um, and my journey led me to a path of self-awareness of paying more attention to the internal world and less on the external, do this, don't do that. Eat the healthy food, change that. You know, that was what my work was mostly in coaching people, guiding people, teaching workshops about this food is unhealthy. This food is healthy. These products are unhealthy. These ones are healthy. So you have to change all of this stuff in your life. And there was still this you know this disconnect or I would notice with my patients that you know they would kind of go through these cycles of you know having these big changes and coming to a workshop and you know throwing out all their old food and eating all this new food and, and it was like it was definitely a helpful step but there was something missing. Um and so my partner and I our journey kind of went into more self-awareness work inner uh noticing our own perception. Um that was a huge huge piece of my journey and then and, you know, so I, I got away from teaching people like the strict change these things. This is the most important thing for you to do in your health is to change all this, all the external stuff that you're doing. I started looking more at the internal and then I came across this incredible mind boggling <laughs> body of work from this German medical doctor that I had never heard of before, never heard a whisper of it. Like I've been around alternative health, like since 2005 and no one's ever whispered this, uh, German new medicine. And in 2017, I was listening to a podcast about magnesium supplementation and the woman just briefly mentioned Germany medicine. And I was like, what is that? I've literally never heard of that. And so I looked it up and everything changed. And I was like, Whoa, this is the most incredible work that exists in the world of health. And like, no one knows about it. So I studied it and was like, I have to be a part of helping people to get access to this information because it truly is. It is the map for understanding why your body develops symptoms. And it is outside. It's different than anything that I had. um, Well, it was kind of In the the roots of chiropractic, it's very much about innate intelligence. So, the wisdom of the body that the body knows what it's doing, the body doesn't make mistakes, that the body is ancient and wise and has been here a lot, lot, lot longer than the conscious mind and the world of medicine and research. And, you know, the body has been adapting and surviving in environments for much longer than we have the words to describe it. And so, Mm -hmm. I already had that foundation. But this work and what Dr. Homer discovered takes it to the next level. It takes it beyond the mind body connection that everybody is, you know, aware of to some extent and in all the different, you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, everyone knows that there is a connection between the mind, the spirit and the physical manifestations of the body. But Dr. Homer to a scientific exactitude, he figured out the mathematics for exactly how that works, why the body goes through these adaptations. And so it's going to allow us to understand why we have a pimple, why do I have a sore throat? Why do I have a stuffy nose? Why do I have a tumor? And when you understand this map, like you mentioned, Liz, the whole idea of not being afraid of symptoms. If I am afraid of my, if I'm afraid of my body, it's because I don't know what my body is doing and why. And when I go into fear, then someone else can control me. Then someone else can say something scary is happening. You need to take these drugs. You need to do this in order to survive. And once I'm in fear, I'm no longer in my power. When when I'm afraid of what my body is doing, I am so um, vulnerable to any anyone who can give me a, a bit of relief. And we find that most people take their relief and their refuge in conventional medicine. And while we've been doing that for the last several hundred years, people have gotten sicker and sicker and sicker. And we obviously are doing something very, very wrong for the health statistics to be the way that they are. And so this is getting back to the like the foundational basics of how our tissues function, understanding it at a personal level. This can't be something that you just hear on a podcast or someone says to you, it has to be something that you get very interested in, this vessel, this physical vehicle that your spirit is using to interface with the physical world. If you don't know how those tissues function, you are at a great disadvantage. And so I have been become very passionate about sharing this, um, this body of work with individuals who are interested in being free and who no longer want to be a slave to the system of disempowerment and brokenness and sickness, and who really truly want to understand what it means to be free, which is to be responsible for Mm. your own experience. And so it's, it's got a lot of layers to it um, and we can take it any direction you want. You know, the foundation of this work, are five biological laws, which is a great framework to start with, but I'm interested in the questions and, you know, kind of where we want to go with this.
1: Mm. I would start at the five biological laws. I think that um, it sets the tone for people to start to grasp. What do you mean by tissues in the body adaptations right just the basics of it it's such an incredible dive and um yeah so if yeah if you want to you know get to that a little bit and just give an overview of what that means and we start putting the pieces together
2: totally so we start with dr homer's story because that really does set the stage Mm for how he figured this all out so dr homer is a german medical doctor who um in 1979 a tragedy happened in his family and his 17-year-old son was shot and it was like this accidental kind of crazy situation involving the crown prince of Italy and so there was a lot of politics <laughs> involved and it was extremely dramatic um and so he you know was shot he had to be you know airlifted to the hospital and he went through all sorts of procedures i think there was an amputation there was like a lot of you know drama around is he going to make it you know so it wasn't like he just died right away it was is he going to make it are we doing everything we can to help him survive and so he ended up passing away um and after the loss of his son dr homer developed testicular cancer and you know he had never had any history of this in his family had never been ill before and so he knew that there was a connection between this loss and this development of this cancer um but in 1981 he had the opportunity to kind of test this theory as he became the head of an oncology unit and so you know so he starts to ask people, ask men with testicular cancer, did something happen to you prior to this diagnosis? And without exception, every man who developed a testicular cancer had some type of loss, some type of tragic loss in their experience. And so he's like, okay, that's interesting. And then he took it further and he found that every person who had a lung cancer had some type of death fright shock. Everyone with a testicular cancer had a loss conflict, ovarian cancer, a loss conflict, colon cancer, an indigestible, ugly thing that they couldn't process. And so he's putting these pieces, they're kind of coming all together. And there was a really beautiful series of dreams that he had about his son as he's having these revelations of, oh my goodness, could this be that the body, when we have a shocking experience that the tissues of the body begin adapting. They change themselves in order to help us to survive the shocking thing that happened. And so that is where we get to the first biological law, which is this connection. It's the cause, the cause of changes to our tissues. Um, and this, the exception to this is poisoning, injury, and malnutrition. And so we can develop symptoms of, you know, acute poisoning of obviously an injury that have nothing to do with these biological conflicts. This is where we're looking at diseases that kind of arise out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden you have an ulcer in your mouth. All like, you're like, nothing happened, but there's an ulcer in my mouth. Nothing happened. But all of a sudden I've got paralysis. My, my, my muscles aren't functioning properly. And it's like, well, where did this come from? Why did this happen? And that's where we have to look at the shocks that we experience. And so the first biological law, we're looking at a conflict shock. And this is different than just regular stress. Mm -hmm. This is something that is, it's highly acute. It's dramatic. Something in a moment catches us off guard. We feel totally alone in that moment. Mm -hmm. And we don't have access to a solution. And so our ancient biology, which is perceiving our environment at all times, it's the psyche. And so the psyche isn't just the mind. It's not just your conscious thinking mind. It is your whole entire beingness that's picking up on subtle changes in temperature and sounds coming from, you know, the different directions. It's the thing that's constantly scanning your environment. So you stay alive, you know, and so we've got this ancient wise body, That has this this exquisite ability to detect potential threats in our environment. And if a threat is shocking enough, if it catches us off guard, if it's a big enough deal, the body says, she can't handle this. (laughs) I'm going to initiate an adaptation cascade to help her to survive this. And, you know, sometimes people will hear this and they'll be like, well, that sounds ridiculous. Why would the body build a tumor? um, Because I'm worried about someone. And we can't think about it in our modern context. We have to think about it in an ancient context. So if you have a child... And that child, you know, falls out of a tree and is bleeding. Um, today, we call nine one one, and you know, someone else takes care of it and closes up the wound and gives the, you know, gives them IV fluids so that they don't, you know, bleed out all of this. But ancient times, we our body was the only provision for sustenance, and so the ability of the breast gland, for example, to enhance itself. In order to produce more milk for your bleeding child, that was the matter of life and death. And if your body, since our body has the ability to change and adapt these tissues, it's going to do it so that you can survive. And that's like the big, big thing to take away from this is how did this help my ancestors survive mm-hmm. <laughs> a shocking situation? Yeah. You know, and so if I have some type of symptom on my body, I have to look at it and say, "Hmm, what is it that happened? You know, and it is, it's highly, um, it's it's functional in this biological sense. And then it's also symbolic because we have layered, what do we say? I can't stomach this. I wanted to bite his head off. Um, <laughs> we say, uh, I wanted to rip my hair out. What are these, these terms that we use? Where does this come from? The language is built on top of the experience. And so that's why we have to get back to the essence of the experience. How did I feel in this moment? I can't digest this. I can't spit it out. I can't bite. I can't see what I want to see or get out of my sight. And so it's these very visceral, um, somatic, experiential things that are happening that activate biological programs. And so depending on the type of shock, and so we have all sorts of different shocks. We can have sexual shocks. We can have separation. We can have loss. We can have self-devaluation. So it's how did I perceive the thing that happened That determines which biological program gets activated. And we have different brain regions that control different organ tissues. And so when we understand, okay, this is an ancient, this has to do with me getting a piece of food and a piece of food is like a morsel, a morsel of something that I need to survive. You know, in ancient times, it was a physical morsel of actual food. In modern times, it could be money. It could be a financial issue that causes, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to get this money. I need to get this job. If I don't get this, I'm not going to survive. And the body can perceive that as a morsel that I need. And so this is where, again, we're just kind of unpacking the different types of experiences that we can have, how it relates to our survival. And so the psyche brain organ connection is the first biological law. Something happens, catches us off guard. uh, So the psyche perceives it, the brain registers it. And there's actually, this is a really cool thing that Dr. Hammer discovered. He started looking at CT brain scans and in the brain scan, he could see Mm -hmm. there are circle formations in the brain um, at specific locations that indicate A program has been turned on here and he could read Mm -hmm. a brain scan and tell you that you had a separation conflict when you were six years old. And then you had, you know, this other conflict and you're dealing with a bleeding ulcer just by looking at the brain. And so Mm -hmm. this is not, it is, so it's objectively verified in the brain scan. Um, and, the uh, we're able to map out exactly what's happening with the person. And so we as individuals can learn this map for ourselves without even having a brain scan, because Mm -hmm. the brain is just one level. We also have the psyche and then the organ level. So this is how we start to understand that something happens prior to our symptoms occurring. And then when we get into the second biological law, we understand the course. So the first biological Law is the cause. The second biological law is the course. How does this go? You know, I have to understand my normal rhythm as as an organism. During the day, the body is more sympathetic active. So sympathetic, everybody knows that fight or fright, fight or flight. This is when we're actively hunting and gathering. You're more busy during the day, you're active, you're going out, you higher energy. And then oh, when the sun starts going down, the body body shifts into parasympathetic. So this is rest and digest feed and breathe. This is where, you know, our, our, (laughs) are going back into that relaxation zone. And then we start that over the next day, you know, fight or flight during the day, rest and digest during the night when we have a conflict. So when that thing happens that catches us off guard, Oh no, am I going to, you know, have the thing in time? You know, am I going to be able to pay my taxes on time? (laughs) Oh no, the shock. (laughs) The money didn't come through. Ooh, caught off guard, all alone in that moment. I don't know how I'm going to solve this. The body shifts into heightened fight or flight. So this is where your hands are cold, your feet are cold, your appetite is down. You're compulsively thinking. If you're compulsively thinking about something, that is your nervous system. That is your organism's way of resolving the conflict. You keep going back to it all throughout the day. How am I going to fix it? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to fix it? You know, you go to sleep at night, you wake up at 3 a.m. and there's something on your mind. How am I going to fix it? How The body literally wakes you up when it's perfectly quiet out so you can find a solution. We are always naturally trying to find the solution to our problems all of the time. Um, and so that's when we're compulsively thinking about something, we have an unresolved conflict that are we're trying to solve. And so when you're in that state, depending on what tissue got turned on, uh, tissues can behave in a, a couple of different ways. We can either have tissue growth. That was like the example I gave of the breast gland. We've got extra breast gland tissue or we've got extra lung tissue. Or we could have tissue loss. So if there's a duct um, and we need more, uh, we need more space, the duct will widen. So this is the breast ducts widen, the urethra will widen, that space will get bigger during the conflict. So we've got tissue growth tissue loss, or we could have functional loss. That's the example like with paralysis. Mm -hmm. So if you are frozen in fear, if your conflict shock was, Oh no, I I can't move. I'm frozen in place. You know, think about deer in the headlights. Think about the animal who plays dead. What happens when we have a, um, a shocking conflict of feeling stuck, Mm -hmm. paralyzed, literally your muscles, decrease the electrical activity, decrease the nerve function to that muscle group. So literally you play dead. Because again, we have to think about this when it was a survival strategy, where Mm -hmm. if, if a predator is after you and you're frozen in fear, we need to make it so that nothing moves. And so that means paralysis. Mm -hmm. That means you literally can't move it. Not that you're just pretending you can't move it because that is a better defense mechanism against an animal that normally chases a living creature. We need to pretend that you're dead. And so Mm -hmm. that's what the muscles do when we are in a frozen and fear conflict. And so, you know, we have to understand this is what's happening. I'm in the conflict. This is how the, this is how this particular tissue behaves during conflict activity. And then The sigh of relief, the conflict, you know, depending on how long it goes on really matters. If it's just really, really short that you have a conflict, you're caught off guard, you know, you're in the conflict for like a moment, and then you find a resolution, you're going to barely notice any symptoms. But if you're in the conflict for an hour, two hours, two days, two weeks, that's when you finally resolve it and the body goes into healing. So when we're in the conflict, we're in that fight or flight, depending on how long and how intense the conflict is, that's how long the healing. So we have to go for, you know, it's the pendulum swing. We, this is all the natural laws. If the pendulum swung all the way to conflict activity, we have to swing all the way back to rest and digest that healing phase so the body can um, put the tissue back to normal. So again, so if we built up extra cells, and now we're in the healing phase, we need to decompose those cells. If we lost cells, now we need to restore that tissue. And that's what's happening during the healing phase, during the tissue restoration phase. So this follows the conflict resolution. So sigh of relief, everything's okay. Now the tissue is going through this this healing adaptation. But this is when most of the time is when you feel "quote sick." When I say I'm sick, ooh, I'm getting a little feverish. Ooh, I got, you know, feel a headache coming on. A little scratch in my throat. A little achiness. Ooh, and we start telling our family, "Oh, I feel a little under the weather. I'm feeling a little <laughs> sick." And so, this is this knowledge helps you to change your language. So mm-hmm. when we all embody and understand this wisdom, we say, oh, what did I just resolve? Oh, I'm feeling a little headachey, feeling a little sore. What just changed? Oh, that's right. I had the conversation with my sister. Oh, that's right. I got that email that resolved that problem that had been going on. Oh, that's right. I, I had that realization that everything's going to be fine. Or I released that problem. I let it go. I chose to see it in a different light. I, I breathe a sigh of relief about it. And so now I understand I'm going to be having symptoms for a certain period of time, depending on how long I was in the conflict. That is what decreases and eliminates the fear. If the symptoms come on out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're like, my throat is sore. Oh, I'm sniffly. Oh, I'm coughing. Oh, who, who did I, who gave this to me? Who gave me this term? And then, so you're looking to blame, you're looking to source, or, you know, my other paradigm was, Oh, I must've had some sugar. I must've eaten mm-hmm. something that yeah. depressed my immune system. So it's either self, you know, other blame somebody else, blame the germ, blame the person who didn't wash their hands, the person who's not wearing a mask, or we blame ourselves. Oh, I didn't take my supplements. Oh, I ate that toxic food. Oh, I shouldn't have been doing that now. You know, so it's either yeah. we blame someone else. We blame ourselves. Right here we understand this is a totally normal experience to have that I was in a conflict. I was caught off guard, my body adapted, and now it's setting itself back to normal. No blame, no shame, no guilt. It's just understanding reality, understanding biology. This is how it functions. And so halfway through the healing phase, so when you get to the point of deepest swelling, so all healing has swelling. So when we say, oh, I have inflammation, inflammation is not the enemy. Inflammation is not punishment for eating inflammatory foods. Inflammation is healing. Inflammation is there's fluid accumulation, there's heat, there's warmth at a location because your body is in a restoration phase and it'll get to a point of maximum swelling that's when you've reached the maximum point of parasympathetic vagatonia. And then there's a big squeeze that happens. You know, one of the best ways to understand this is like in the birth process, you get to the point of maximum swelling. And then the body says, we need a big squeeze to push this fluid out, push this baby out. And that allows the body to set itself back to normal. So there's a squeeze in the brain, there's a squeeze on the organ level. And this is often when we will have some type of you know, big health crisis. So mm-hmm. it could be as mild as a sneeze. So a sneeze is the healing crisis of a, this stinks conflict. So this is actually one of the best ways if you're brand new to this understanding is pay attention to the next time you sneeze and you'll say, ah, oh, what stunk to me? What <laughs> I'm annoyed. I'm fed up. I'm pissed off. Something happened. You had a a stink conflict and then you resolved it and you'll have a sneeze. So that's going to be your easiest example of what the healing crisis is, but it could be a heart attack. It could be a stroke. It could be a seizure depending on, again, the type of conflict and how long it went on. The, you know, the more intense the conflict, the bigger, the potential epicrisis. this healing crisis will be, you'll have the big squeeze, the body will go through this big push. And then it will go back into the remainder of the healing, which is the scarification phase, which is where, again, that tissue is just finishing its job. Whatever it needs to do, it goes through and it fixes up the tissue. And then oh, we've completed a biological program. And mm-hmm. so there is the conflict shock, the conflict active phase, the resolution, the healing phase, the epicrisis, and then the scarification phase that completes the biological program. So that's the second biological law. Any questions there? Shall I pause for a moment? <laughs> I know. It's like oh, so
3: much. It's so beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, I was just, I was just, and this kind of goes back to the first one, but I was just feeling like, so if we have like a lot of self-awareness and something happens, right, we have the shock and then we're like, okay, wait, something. And then we go into resolving that in the moment, you know, how does that affect or because some things are just on a, you know, a trauma level. I mean, obviously, if it's very severe. Um, we're probably not capable of resolving it in that moment. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious about that. And if, if there's any research on that as well.
2: Well, I mean, it is, it's just paying attention to you. the more that you are getting in tune with this language of your body and the more in tune you are with, what is my experience? Most people are oblivious to their experience. Yeah. They're they're so in the story that they can't, they don't have any of that awareness to say, oh, I'm in a conflict right now. They're just in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. it, you're in it. And, you know, and sometimes you got to, we have human experiences. It's part of the human experience to be totally immersed and engulfed in a conflict and to have no awareness that that's what's going on. But when you do have the awareness, you have that ability to say, oh, gosh, I really got taken away there with this conflict in my mind, you know, and it's like, okay, can I find a solution? Can I even find a partial solution? Can I downgrade this? Because Mm -hmm. I know I have this awareness that the longer I sit on it the longer I let this fester, you know, without a resolution, the more tissue is going to adapt. So even if I can't totally resolve this, maybe it's a time, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to actually wait until this person, you know, something happens outside of me, I can still change my perception of it. And so we always want to be just working on elevating our awareness or like our sensitivity to what our nervous system is doing. Are my hands cold? Is my mind preoccupied about this conflict so that we can at least bring it in. Into awareness. And so that mm-hmm. I find helps tremendously for shortening healing phases, making so there's yeah. not as much tissue adaptation, but that's the thing too, is we're, we're not going to completely insulate ourselves to right. never have a conflict ever again. You know, it's, right. this is, you know, it's about navigating life with flexibility, with awareness, knowing that stuff's going to happen. That's the whole essence yep. of it. unexpected. We don't <laughs> know what's going to happen, but I yeah. want to able to respond resourcefully to it. So that's what I um, I t- teach people is that, you know, you just want to be better at knowing who, you know, what's going on with you so that you can respond as best as possible to the situation at hand. Yeah. Mm.
1: That leads me to a question. Thank you for that explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, could you have a, a, let's say that something happens at a time of your life And for some reason, you bury that, right, which is the unconscious. And it goes into another layer of you that just stays there. And later on in your life, you're ready to heal that. And then so you start having symptoms and you go, oh, okay. so is that I don't know what the question is, but. I guess it's the time element into the manifestation, right, of the symptomology in relation to the conflict. Can that change? And can that be brought up? And the reason I'm saying this is because my mom, it brought me to tears when you're talking about seizures. When she started to have seizures, I think it was two different things. One was the medicine that she, the medicine, I don't even like calling it the medicine, the poison she was being given. But Before that, she started having this mild seizures, like, you know, symptoms that we would notice. And looking back now, I'm like, wow, was she finally resolving all of that conflict? Because there was a lot of trauma, a lot of physical stuff that had happened in her life, but it was dilated, right? It wasn't like this immediate thing that just conflict happened, the body... Immediately adapted because it was so traumatic. Maybe it ties into what Tara was saying about this other issues that may be a little bigger than an argument that you have or, um, you know, a disagreement or something.
2: Yeah. I mean, the mind does, it helps us to part of certain biological programs is memory loss. So we actually do suppress it. We want to forget, you know, I don't want to remember the person that I lost. I don't ever want to remember this, you know, this person I don't want to see anymore. So I just literally forget it. And we do, we suppress right. the, you know, the nervous system, the psyche is really good at, you know, at, at kind of balancing itself out. So depending on the sequence of conflicts, we also have what's called a constellation yeah. which is if we've been bombarded with lots of conflicts that affect both sides of the brain that we change in our mental behavior you know so things that they call mental illness they're actually just different mm-hmm. combinations of conflicts and uh Dr. Hammer calls it a super sense and so it actually allows you it tries to help you to get out of the of the situation by completely changing your your perception and your view of the world um and so yeah we have different degrees to which we resolve conflicts can be, you know, we can be active in a conflict for a really, really long time and then go into resolution. You know, doc, uh, the he also found that there's actually a time limit for certain conflicts. Like, so certain conflicts you can't be in conflict for more than nine months. And if you are, uh, the healing crisis can actually be so intense that you can't make it through. You know, so so territorial conflicts, um, certain sexual conflicts. Um, if you resolve it, it may result in a in a you know in a heart ac- heart attack or a pulmonary embolism that you can't survive. And so you know, mm-hmm. there's degrees to this. There's a lot of different nuance to it. But yeah, we can. Yeah suppress things. And then all of a sudden find ourselves in a, you know, re- resolving certain conflicts. And so we do kind of want to have awareness. You don't want to just go in and just rip all the conflicts out because there's a, there's a balance <laughs> yeah that the psyche really does find itself, you know, in a balanced state. And so sometimes we don't want to uproot and like rip mm-hmm. away certain conflicts because, um, the body has found a balance. And so it really just depends and you do have to, uh, use discretion and wisdom. And the more that you understand this map Um, you know, if there's stuff that's been going on, that's been there for a really long time, some some things you don't want to mess with some things you actually just want to, you know, allow the person to continue having some level of conflict, maybe, you know, at a downgraded, again, do we want to be able to downgrade it, but maybe not completely eliminate it because yeah, with seizures. If a person's had a motor conflict for years and years and years, and they all of a sudden resolve it, that could result in such a a large brain swelling that they may not be able to make it. So, you know, actually continuing to have those lower level seizures could be something that's um, helping them to stay around longer.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. There's so much to unpack. I know. so much to talk about. And for our listeners, I just want to invite you to take a deeper breath if this is your first time listening to all of this, Mm -hmm. because we're here talking about all kinds of different topics in this particular episode, focusing on liberation through the view of health and healing, right? Which is new for a lot of people. They never thought to look into their symptomology and say, thank you. Wow. Wow. The body is. So just take a deeper breath, just settle in. And if you're noticing thoughts coming up or like, wait well, wait a minute, and this and that, just go in for the ride and let that settle and then um, continue your exploration. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because it can be a lot for some people to take in because we're so used to the blaming and the shaming, like you talked about, and also not taking responsibility. So here's an opportunity to reclaim your self-governance and self-ownership through your um, healing and in, in health. So thank you. Yeah,
2: definitely. Burn. And it is, it can be overwhelming. And, you know, just taking little chunks of it, because this is a whole, you know, uh, if I talk the next uh, biological law is the third biological law. And we're talking about embryology and yes. words you may have never heard before. And so if that seems, oh gosh, that's too much for me to understand, you know, you can start at a level where you can take a bit of it and start to understand mm-hmm. it. And even if it's unfamiliar, again, this is the map, the language for the body. And if I don't understand it, and if I have to have someone else tell me, I can never be fully empowered unless uh, in the way that I would be if I knew this is how this tissue functions. This is why I have this particular symptom at this time. And so when you look at it through that lens of empowerment, and then also, mm-hmm. you know, personal responsibility, but but not to the, the point, but not about blame. You know, sometimes yeah, people absolutely. hear about Germany medicine and they start saying, oh, so it's my fault. I yes. have this. Oh, so it's my fault that I, you know, have this symptom and it's, again, it's not your fault. It's just, we're programmed in a certain way. We have certain experiences that initiate adaptations that lead to what we call sickness. And so when I understand that whole process, I can take responsibility. I can understand that this is normal. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with the experience. There's nothing wrong with even the the fact that I saw it in the way that I did, but there is an opportunity an opportunity for me to understand myself, an opportunity for me to change the way my body is expressing by changing my perception. If I can change, I've got a great example of a a woman I worked with who had severe psoriasis. And so Mm -hmm. psoriasis is a separation conflict. So we're dealing with the outer skin, which is the epidermis and the squamous epithelium. That's the type of tissue. And when we have a separation conflict, we lose tissue cells in our skin. So there's like, we are losing tissue cells and this is to numb the area. And so if we have a, someone we want to push away or someone we want to hold close. And so in this woman's uh, situation, she wanted to hold her son close. She got a divorce Mm -hmm. and she was happy to be divorced from, you know, her ex-partner. There was, you know, emotional abuse and all sorts of things. She was happy to have him out of her life, but happened was that she was going to have to send her child to be with him um, because of the, the way the legal system works. And so she was going to have to let her son be with this person that she experienced as emotionally abusive. So every time... Anything came up having to do with visitation or, you know, the court or any, anything along those lines, Mm -hmm. she would get triggered. And so when she felt I need to hold my son close, I can't let him go. She would have erosions in her skin, Mm -hmm. loss of tissue. And then when she was able Mm -hmm. to hold him close again, that tissue would start rebuilding and then it would Break down and build up and break down and build up. And when we're in this layered conflict of wanting to hold someone close, wanting to push someone away, we can get this kind of scaly, itchy, inflamed, dry, flaky. We've got two layers of conflict, active conflict and healing conflict at the same time. That's what we call psoriasis. And so we had to identify, what is this really about? You know, and for her, the place it showed up, the the place our symptoms show up is very, you know, it's symbolic to where we feel that point of connection. And so this was with her son, her baby. Where do you hold your baby? Right here on your- <laughs> your breasts on your belly. And so right through here was where her psoriasis Mm. was really, really bad. It was thick. And it was Mm. to that point where she had tried everything. She did the detox. She did the sun exposure. She did the, you know, all the things that they say to do. She tried all the things yet the symptom remained. And so we had to dig into the separation conflict and we had to see all of the ways in which the scab was being ripped off constantly mm-hmm. by text messages, by every time she had to engage with the ex, that was keeping the conflict alive. And so, you know, the best resolution for a conflict is a practical resolution. So, what's the practical resolution? She never has to see him oh, again. Goodness. You know, she <laughs> stays with her baby always, and he, yeah. you know, the ex just goes away. Yeah. But that, You know, even though that would have been the ideal resolution, it wasn't practical because of Mm -hmm. legality, because of, you know, the court system, whatever the child was going to have to go with the ex. And so what we had to start working on was her perception of the whole situation. You know, what are you saying to yourself every time, you know, the phone dings and it's a text from, what are you thinking about when the, when the child is with him? what's going on internally every single time this topic comes up separation, need to hold him close, need to push away. And so we had to start finding ways to soften, finding ways to change her perception of this situation so that she wasn't feeling, you know, and telling this story chronically that, oh, my child's going to be traumatized. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be so bad. It's like, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe we need to try to find other ways to look at this. And she worked on it for, you know, uh, several months of really being disciplined in her reactions to these triggers. And in, in between January and April, she was able to clear it up time. And it had everything to do with her being able to see what the conflict was about, being present, you know, noticing how she was speaking to herself in her mind, reactivating the conflict. And she had to create the resolution because she couldn't access a practical resolution, you know, and so that's something we have the capacity to do, you know, with children, with animals, we want a very practical resolution. You know, so for example, a baby can have um, a, a conflict if they're not being fed on demand. You know, mm-hmm. so if the baby isn't being fed on demand um, and they're being given a pacifier, they're going to have mm-hmm. a morsel conflict. I want to spit this pacifier out. I want the breast. I want to spit. <laughs> and so, and when the baby finally gets the breast, what are they going to have? Thrush. They're going to have mm-hmm. thrush that white spots in the mouth. That is because I wanted to spit out the pacifier and I wanted to get the morsel of the breast. Mm-hmm. And so we say, oh, the baby has an infection. We have to give it antibiotics. And see, the thing is, is that the, the thrush, the candida mm-hmm. um, fungus and bacteria, that's what breaks down tissue. So we build up tissue, remember, during the, yeah, the certain kind of amorous conflict, we build up tissue. And then the fourth biological law, we use bacteria to break that tissue down. And so anytime, whatever you call infection, Anytime you have a funky odor in your body, there are bacteria that have woken up and they're doing a job. They're breaking down tissue. And so again, this helps the parent. This helps the individual to not fear. Oh no, my child is sick. Oh, we've got to go to the doctor and get a prescription to get rid of this bad bacteria. There is no bad bacteria. There is no bad bacteria. All bacteria, Serve a a purpose. They are there doing a job. They are seasonal workers. They have specific jobs to do. And when they do their job, they go back to dormancy. And so that is how the body functions. And so when we understand how the tissues work, certain, you know, that that's what the third biological law is: this map of understanding the the yellow group, the orange group, the red group. The yellow is the oldest. The orange is the middle group. The red is the youngest group. And they each behave differently. The yellow and the old orange, that's the growth, tissue growth during the conflict. The uh, new orange and the red, that's tissue loss during the conflict. And then during the healing, we set it back. Whatever happened during the conflict, we have to set it back um, to to normal homeostasis during the healing phase. And so that's the third biological law. The fourth is the bacteria. So this is understanding that bacteria... Um, Paras, what we call parasites, what we call, what we call viruses, all it is, you know, there is no virus. All it is is simply tissue adaptation is the body going through this normal reaction response to conflict to tissue changes and then setting the body back to its normal, um, normal homeostatic state. And then the fifth biological law is called the quintessence. That's the thing that brings us all together. It's this deep understanding that there is nothing diseased in nature, nothing malignant, nothing evil. Yes. You know, the word malignant yes. means evil. And so when you understand there's nothing evil in nature, nature just behaves. It just does what it does. It has natural laws. There are laws that govern the way nature interacts with itself. And so when we understand that, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. We just yeah. simply need to find the cause and correct it, you know, to understand how our body has adapted to the traumas of our early life. And we, you know, there's a way, there's always going to be a way for us to live in harmony with these laws. If we reject them, if we ignore them, they're still going to be running our lives, <laughs> whether or not we realize mm-hmm. it whether or not, we know it and acknowledge it. This is just yeah. a window into helping a person to become more free more empowered, more at peace, more in harmony with nature itself and so you know the the closer we get to that the more harmonious and really you know all of these biological adaptations it's showing you where you're out of alignment where you're out of alignment with source where you're out of alignment with biology you're we live very unnatural lives which is why people are so very unwell because You know, at the beginning, we were talking about living out in the country versus living in the city. It's a different experience to live crammed in, close to a lot of people, not a lot of room, not a lot of fresh air, not a lot of breathing space. Like what what kind of conflicts do you think develop? We think, oh, infectious disease. What if it's, we're just too crammed in, in an unnatural way that we never would be in nature. In nature, you see that, you know, animals, packs, I saw this interesting graph of like wolf packs that each had their territory and they just didn't. Across to the other territory. Mm. It's like, you know, nature has a way. <laughs> and if we get back to yeah. nature, we stop overriding it, we will become much, much healthier.
1: Mm. Amen. Yes. 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 Nature, My nature, job. nature.
3: All right. So <laughs> <know. it's> everything. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, um, I still do have, I still do have a few. We do have some time. So I still do have a few questions. Um <laughs> just things that I feel like are really um, alive for people these days too, like the whole autoimmune thing, you know, if you could maybe touch on that and in German new medicine. Um, and then I have, yeah, we'll start there.
2: So autoimmune, that's this idea of autoimmune. My body is attacking itself, that my thyroid is attacking itself. I mean, even psoriasis, I think is considered yes. an autoimmune disease. Yeah. The, the body is just turned on itself. It's attacking its own yeah. tissues. It's screwed up. So let's suppress the immune, the immune system or let's you know use steroids. And now what steroids do, steroids are a poison to the body and they put the body into stress. And so if inflammation and itchiness, that's a healing symptom. That's the body in the, resolution state and then we put a poison we put steroids into the system and all of a sudden oh our itching goes away it's like oh fabulous my itching is gone but what you've done is you've simply put a stressor into the system and so now the body is not in the healing phase anymore now it's having to deal with the conflict of having this poison present and so that's where we have to understand why is this itching here oh and it's chronic oh but it's there every day oh but it's interrupting my life oh but i okay well that means We have to look back at when did it start? What was going on in your life? So if you are, you know, uh, if you have intolerances to certain foods or allergies or something in your environment that's causing your system to react, it's because that has gotten flagged as a track that's reminding your body of the separation conflict or of the an um, indigestible morsel conflict. So we have to put the pieces together. And when you put the pieces together and you say, Oh, that's right. I was eating this food when my parents were fighting and I thought they were going to get a divorce. So no wonder every time I eat this food, I get a stomachache. Every time I eat this food, I have diarrhea. It's like, okay, well that makes perfect sense. If we see this as an indigestible morsel and you're, you know, so it's not, See, medicine zooms way, way, way too far into yep. the tissue. They use unnatural methods. Again, things when people are like, oh, my blood test said this, or my, you know, they did a, a tissue sample. It's like, they don't do that in nature. There's no tissue sample. No. There's no <laughs> <Right>. blood test. <laughs> totally. It's You know, and so we, we zoom so far in, we can't see the forest through the trees. We're like, oh, this is what's going on. And the bodies, and that's just a tiny, 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 tiny little snapshot of something that's happening in an overall system. And that's what medicine, you know, they're so confused as they think they know so much. They've got big buildings and so much research and billions and billions and trillions of dollars. And so we assume that they got to know what they're doing. I mean, this seems like a really serious professional operation. <laughs> and, and people get hoodwinked. They're like, they, you know, they they yeah. see this, this holy place, the people in the white jackets. It's mm-hmm. a religious experience, and they tell it you, is. you, they yeah. they tell you scary language that you don't understand. Yeah. I had a wonderful experience with someone that I've been working with, where she, you know, she was so freaked out. You know, she they told she went through an experience, and she developed a quote kidney infection. Mm-hmm. Um and so she got some blood tests and, and she was just so panicked about it. And yeah. um, they, and she got this diagnosis back from the blood test. I think it was pylonephritis. And she was so scared. Oh, she was God. completely terrified. And she's like, oh, this is what it said. I don't even want to look it up. Like a lot of health anxiety, which is completely understandable because it's like big, scary word. I don't understand. And she already knew that she had a kidney infection. And then she got this blood test that says she had pylonephritis. And it's like, that's the same thing. It's the it's it's a fancy word for the thing you already knew that you had. So she Mm -hmm. already knew that she had, you know, and what is it? It's a territorial marking conflict, Mm -hmm. which made perfect sense in the context of what she had experienced. And then, but the scary word on the paper brought such anxiety to her. And that's where we Mm -hmm. have to break through the smoke and mirrors. All it means is that there's inflammation in a certain area. Inflammation is always healing. healing. We already knew that you went through this tissue adaptation. And so that's how we go from fear and confusion and, oh gosh, what is the person in the white coat going to tell me about my body to, oh. Yeah, of course. I knew that I went through this experience. I know my tissues are in this way. That's just the fancy Latin word that they put on it so that I get scared into doing whatever they tell me to do. So we have to, you know, and whether it is just completely ignorant space or if there's some nefarious elements involved. Yeah. One way or the other, you are responsible for how you perceive and take in and process the information that's being told to you. And so do you want to choose fear and suppression of symptoms or freedom and understanding of symptoms? Yeah. Mm,
3: beautiful. Freedom. Um, can mm. you just quickly explain the, the territory marking conflict? That's mm. very interesting.
2: Yes. Sorry, the I know. I'll So we have to look at what's my territory. So for men, the external is their territory, their land, their space, their, you know, their environment. For the woman, it's her internal territory, you know, her children, her body. And so when we have a territorial marking conflict where we feel like somebody is invading our boundaries, they're invading our internal territory, they're, you know, um, uh, saying something bad about your children, that could give you a UTI, because here you are, if somebody is, you know, making, saying your kid did something bad and you are just defended by this and you want to mark your territory, your urethra or your renal pelvis, will literally get wider, you know? So think about it. It's a pissing contest. So <laughs> Better mark their territory. I need yeah. a bigger urethra. I need more right. space. So more urine can get out so I can mark my territory better. And so lose tissue during the conflict. And then when we have sufficiently marked our territory, we told the person off, we took the kid out of school, we did something, we got, you know, we set a boundary. We said, uh-uh, you're not going to do that. Oh, so now the urethra needs to heal. The urethra is in healing it hurts to be, because the urethra is now swollen. This tissue is being restored and there is pain because there's inflammation. And so the inflammation is, again, a sign that the urethra is going through. It went to here. Now it needs to go back to here. That's what's happening. And so that's when we understand I had a territory marking conflict. Now I'm having you know, pain or burning during urination. Because my body is going through this tissue restoration phase. That to me was just so mind-blowing. Because I thought, oh, it's because of bad hygiene or not peeing after sex or whatever. But the the, the bacteria have crawled up the urethra. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging out
1: there. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's, I... I'm gonna invite you back already because <laughs> I the know reason, the we reason, reason I'm saying this, it's because I cannot expect anybody right to begin to comprehend the depths of this and you will feel it in your being as you hear Melissa talk. You will feel this truth in yourself, right? And whether she takes the invitation or not, you're invited back for us. <laughs> so need a dive yes, the you the because Because this is so, it's such important information. It's so much bigger than the information itself. It's liberation at so many levels. And we are moving from the time of being governed to self-governing, right? And understanding that will liberate us in so many different ways that I don't even think we can comprehend it yet. I do have a question. Um, You did talk in the beginning about Poisoning, injury or famine. Right. Is there a framework in GNM that addresses those things or is it out of GNM's kind of um, a bit, not ability, but um, just structure?
2: Yeah. So that's outside of the structure. So again, the poisoning, um, you know, the, especially with industrial poisons, it's like it that is. is not of nature. And so it's like yeah. the the thing, so you can, we can have a poisoning and then the body ex- exhibit some type of symptom and it not have anything to do with the biological conflict. You know, there is kind of an interesting realm where, you know, there's the terrain theory group where they're like, Oh, like basically everything is a detox. Everything is the body detoxing. A cold is your body detoxing. They say a rash is your body detoxing. That to me is not a fully accurate model because it doesn't explain why, why is the rash on my inside right elbow and not my inside left elbow? How yeah. does the detox process explain that the, you know, the Germany medicine model explains exactly. So right side, that's my partner side, the inside elbow, that's about wanting to hold someone, bring them close. So when I resolve that conflict, the rash appears here, you know, so when it comes to acute poisonings, like I accidentally drank Windex or something, it's like, Oh, <laughs> my it's going to expel that. That doesn't yeah. have any do with a conflict, the body simply is going to expel the poison. Um, But the whole idea of subtle kind of toxicity um, accumulation over time, suddenly manifesting in chronic diarrhea or some type of symptom, that is where I really think that you need to look further into the conflict and understanding the tissue and understanding what happened rather than saying, oh, it must be my body's just detoxing. Because you have to see you're missing a chunk of self-understanding and awareness. If you say this is simply a detox process, you're never looking for what is it that happened? Why am I expressing this symptom? What did I experience? What were the nuances of that experience? What did I resolve? If you just chalk it up to my body detoxing, yes, you may not be afraid of it. And so that's a great reframe is not being afraid of your symptom, yeah. seeing this as a normal, natural you know, expression. People are like, oh, my body's just going through its seasonal detox. Um, but for me, you're missing something because not every, you know, if you, there's some, some experience, some conflict that if you just chalk it up to detox that you're missing. So I, I do invite people to look further into that. Cause a lot of people I'm sure that uh, listen to your podcast are aware of terrain or probably more in the terrain camp than in the germ theory yeah. camp. But this, you know, the German new medicine, Germanic healing knowledge model is a step beyond, and you do have to look more closely, more nuanced at your actual experience, but yeah. So injury you know, and that's actually kind of an interesting realm too of injury. You know, I do think that all injuries are symbolic and spiritual, but that obviously yeah. isn't, you know, Germany medicine is very much, it's about biological adaptation. Yeah. And so, but if a person has had an injury and then it's very, you know, often it's like, oh, I'm so clumsy. Oh, I'm such a, how could I have dropped that? How could I have cut myself? I'll see myself do that. If I have an injury and I'm like, ah, oh, now you've got to cut and now you've got to, you know, you can't do this mm-hmm. or that. And beating yourself up now that can, you can have an injury that is unconflict related, and then you develop a conflict about the fact that I can't play the game anymore. So if a child injures themselves and then they can't play their sport anymore, oh, I'm on the bench, I'm not helping the Mm. team. I'm not good enough, and so they develop a self devaluation conflict about the injury, or we can have a self devaluation conflict that weakens connective tissue that leads to an injury so there's you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of nuance in there and layers to understand, but yes, in general, you know poisoning injury malnutrition those things are outside of the framework of understanding um tissue adaptations,
1: yeah, my last question for you, and then Tara can do our last question. Um, for you as a guest, but um, when you talk about the conflict resolution and being able to practically resolve it, right, which in that case of that lady was to have her child, which was not possible. So there was a reframing of how that could work for her. Would that be the only other way Just the reframing of the mind of how you perceive the conflict or are there different ways to also um, go about it?
2: it is totally unique to the individual. It's basically what's going to bring you peace. What's going to cause the stone to drop from your soul. There's something. And that's the thing is it's so unique to the individual. I don't know what it's going to take for you to feel better for you to release that conflict. And so we have to try a lot of different things, a lot of different perspectives. And so that's why there's not one tool, not one modality. It's simply what's going to help set you free. What's going to help you to overcome and resolve this thing that's been weighing on your psyche? you know, is it a physical change? You need to change your location. Do you need to change your partner? Do you need to have another baby? Do you need to you know, like, do you need to get a new pet? Like, do we need that practical resolution or is there some kind of step beyond? Do we need to move into, you know, looking at this from the spiritual perspective, you know? And so there's all sorts of different ways to resolve something. And so that's where we don't want to get too stuck in any one way of looking at it. We want maximum flexibility. You know, I'm kind of a, whatever works, what's going to work for you. Do we need, to try this. Okay, we've been trying it this way. Do we need to try something altogether different in order for you to crack through that? We also look at what are you getting out of staying the same? Why is it that you might yeah. not want to resolve this conflict? What are you afraid will happen if you no longer have this ailment, this illness? You know, it's like am I getting some type of ulterior gain, some type of attention that I don't think that I'll be able to get, you know. So we ha- there's a lot to to sort through. And that's why radical self-awareness, radical self-honesty is so vital. If you really want to work with this, you know, you can't, if there's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, see this or that about myself. And I can't see my, the fact that I actually want to stay sick. You know, sometimes that's like the hardest thing to see as a person. But when you can see that, when you have permission to see whatever's there, you know what, I actually, I got the most attention as a kid when I was sick. And right. so I actually have incentive. I feel more valuable. I feel more loved. I feel more cared for when I have a chronic issue. And so there's a part of my psyche that's like, don't resolve this. Don't yeah. don't use the tools. Mm-hmm. But if you see it and if you resolve this, you're going to be unloved. You're not going to be important anymore. And so that person has to learn other ways of deriving a feeling of importance and mattering. And so if the only option I have is I can only, I'm only going to matter if I'm sick. So if that's the thing, you're going to stay sick because you have to matter. You have to feel important. And so that's where, again, you have to be able to see it, be able, be willing to see whatever comes up and say, okay, this is what I'm working with. This is what I'm working with. These are the layers of my psyche. This is the early childhood trauma Mm -hmm. that, um, that happened, that causes me to see the world in the way that I do and being willing to work with it, to play with it. And to, you know, just understand that however willing I am to change, that's going to be the level that I can change to if I'm unwilling, if there's even a part of my psyche, because you can say in a lot of like self-help self-healing junkies. They, you know, they, they try all the things and they've done all of the maneuvers and therapies and modalities and every hot new biohacking thing on the market. But like, they're unwilling to see that there's, there's something they're getting out of staying in this, I'm on the healing journey. And it's like, that's, you're, you're dwelling on the healing journey. You don't want off the path. And so some Mm -hmm. people actually want off the path to be able to start living rather than to continue being on the, you know, the forever, never ending healing journey.
3: Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yep oh yeah uh yeah i love i love that about german new medicine is that there is a foundation and a structure but it's still it's so unique to every yeah. person mm. you know and just honors every being you know and yeah. their experience and just inviting them to for that radical self-honesty <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you melissa um i mean just yeah Yeah. This is like Liz said, yes. If you ever want to come back, please do. And we could, we could even do, well, we can talk about that later. Um, of all these ideas. Um, but where, like, what are you up to now? I know you have some programs. If you want to share whatever you want to share, that's happening for you right now. And just where people can find out more information about you and also Germany medicine, if they want to continue to go deeper for themselves.
2: Yeah, totally. I do recommend I have a whole blog with books and resources and educational materials because I, again, I really highly recommend studying this for yourself. It's something that yeah. you've got to take bites of, start to digest and integrate into your experience. Um, you know, my YouTube channel is a great place to start. So there's a lot of resources on um, that page on my blog. And then as far as what am I'm doing, we, uh, my partner and I, we teach a course a few times a year called Awareness School, which I consider like a foundational prerequisite for engaging in literally any type of personal growth work. This is like the foundations mm-hmm. of how do I construct and create my perception of reality? So it's a big, big, big picture. You know, we don't get into the specifics of GM in this course, but I find it so vital for you being able to interface with the wisdom, with the knowledge in a way that's resourceful rather than unresourceful. You know, you have to start to see how do I, when I get information, do I all of a sudden, you know, start getting anxious and panicked and worried because, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff that I don't know. And I, you know, so that's, yeah. your mind is um, arranged in such a way where you take information and that information automatically puts you into overwhelm. Awareness school kind of allows you to see how you take an in information, how you process that information and how that what that information is doing, what the role it's playing in your life. Cause if you don't know that you'll just feel overwhelmed and disempowered. And here's just another thing that I'm not smart enough to understand. And so awareness school is like really a foundational um, framework. It's 10, it's a 10 week, uh, 10 modules of a course. And then 10 weeks of group coaching where we break it down. And this stuff has, I don't know where I'd be without it. I I literally don't because it has allowed me to see my patterns, see the dysfunctional stuff that i do with information, see Mm. because of my early life traumas and how my mind is arranged. And now I can see, oh, that doesn't work in a very, like, I can see something within myself that's completely dysfunctional without feeling shame, without feeling guilt, Mm -hmm. without feeling bad about it. I can just see it for what it is. And then I can see, oh, there's a way out of this. There's a way around this. There's something different I can do. And so it's this maximally empowering framework for understanding how you create life. And uh, it's a really fun class. We have a super great time and you'll come away with these tools, this ability to just like understand yourself in a way that you're like, oh, life is so much easier now. Uh, so <laughs> starts um, On April 17th, we are starting a new class of that. So that's kind of the big thing. And I really, if you're into any of this work, if you like resonate with the stuff I talk about, at some point I like just get into awareness school and, and take it with us and get those basic tools and you'll be able to see really how, how it permeates everything. You know, the ability to be responsible you can't take responsibility for your experience, if you aren't aware, because right. otherwise it's going to feel like, okay, I'm being responsible, but if you don't actually see how the responsibility, yeah. how the responsibility lies with you, um, it's something that you're just like, okay, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, but I don't see exactly how or why this gives you the how, and the why, and, and it allows you to really feel so Uh, like, I know this is all coming for me and I can see exactly how. So that's, um, yeah. So that's our big thing that we've got coming up. I also, you know, have a a library of different courses that people can check out on different, you know, different conflicts, like a bite conflict or a self-devaluation conflict. Those are things that you can go through and tools that you can start to apply to your personal life challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go check out Melissa's website. There's a handful of resources and opportunities to learn and dive in and, and plug yourself into yourself. So, yeah, extend the invitation to Stephen too um, and come talk about awareness school just you alone and come talk more about this. And then you yeah. and him at some point. And um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you yeah, for your thank patience you. to share this over and over again. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, doing God's work. Thank you.
2: you're so welcome I'm happy to do it literally anytime that somebody hears about this that didn't know about it before it's like all right because it it is it's just you have to you know spread the seeds and people some people are not going to be ready for it but some people are totally ready for it and they're like yes this is the missing piece and so any opportunity I have to do that I really appreciate so thank you for having me on and I'd be so delighted to come back
1: yes so thank you everyone for listening and being here yeah We'll see you next time.
0: For more, check out the SourceConnection.us, Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube.